Looking for new threads? Well, we've got you covered at the Music Is Live podcast official merch store over at tpublic.com. Whether it's t-shirts, baseball tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, travel mugs, phone cases, or onesies for your infant rockers and metalheads, you can find everything you're looking for over at the Music Is Live podcast merch store at tpublic. Go to my link tree at l-i-n-k-a-t-r dot e-e forward slash Music Is Live podcast and get your merch today. Buy my stuff and thanks for your support. TerraNut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Go to their website, www.terranut.com. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. TerraNut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code, LUMAVS, at checkout. Fuel your life. Severed Angel, the deluxe edition of the self-titled debut album, available now. Pick up your copy today over at SeveredAngel.com. Available on all streaming media platforms. Severed Angel, get ready to ride the dogs of war. You're listening to the Music Is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network. All right, we are now going to discuss the, well, not discuss, we're going to listen to and give our opinions of the Buddy Rich tapes. Now, James, could you provide a little context into the Buddy Rich tapes? Isn't this isn't this pretty much where he starts shooting on country music and pretty much cutting an absolute promo on the state of country music and how simple it is? Oh no, we already his. We already did that. Like when we first discussed them, I I I posted that whole interview. No, this is the stuff where apparently they got information. They they got quote they used quotes from it for Seinfeld. Oh. I have never heard this one before. You've never heard these tapes before. No. He is basically v- verbally eviscerating his his band. Oh, oh, yes. I have never heard this. However, I have been verbally eviscerated by several band directors in my life, a, a la Whiplash. <laughs> As have I. But uh, James, trust me. I don't think whatever they told you or whatever they told me compares to this. But apparently, you if you're a fan of the show Seinfeld, you'll actually hear some of the quotes that they've used in these diatribes. Ah. So why don't we go ahead and uh, get to the tapes? So now we're going to play the Buddy Rich tapes, and we'll <laughs> give our opinion on it. If anyone doesn't know what a clam is, is a bad note. What kind of play do you think this is? What kind of miscues do you call this? What fucking band do you think you're playing on, motherfuckers? You wanna fuck with me on a bandstand? Shut that fucking door. I'm up there working my balls off trying to do somebody a favor, and you motherfuckers are sucking all over this joint. 
puppet section to your boys tonight and saxophones, you've got to fucking be kidding me. How dare you call yourselves professional? Assholes are playing like fucking children up there. You got. You got your fucking, where the fuck are you? This one. You got your fucking heart so far deep in the fucking bell. We don't need to have a band here tonight. Your face will be heard. Everybody can hear your fucking fans out there. You don't need a mic for that. You taking up too much fucking time? Blowing what? I would think they'd be too drunk to like Shit, hear the notes. You got no way to fucking go to the next day, because if I hear one fucking clam from anybody, you've had it. One clam and this whole fucking band is through tonight. Try me. You got some fucking there was nights off, nothing to do, and you come in and play this kind of shit for me? Fuck all of you. You're not doing me any fucking favors, you're breaking my heart up there. Yeah, I you can tell he's a very caring person. I play with the greatest fucking musicians in the world. How dare you play like that for me? He hasn't played with me. How dare you try to play like that for me? Assholes. <laughs> I get 15 fucking kids in rehearsal, but fucking time on this band is incredible. We don't play two fucking bars in one fucking tempo. Not one. You can't keep fucking time to play. There's too many things to do, isn't there? You can't play your fucking What's that? You're all over the fucking place. <laughs> Isn't it the drums job that's keep time? You would think. And when you get back to the office, you'll need another fucking job. Count on it. Get out of my fucking bus. Wow, and that that's not the end of it. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Here we go. Well, at least he's giving high school bands credit. Such a ray of sunshine that Buddy Rich was, wasn't he? He, he, he is a treat. I don't know, like, fuck you, buddy. I'll go with Conway Twitty. Exactly. Piss on this. I work for Bill Brooks. <laughs> You could tell they must have gotten so much info for George Costanza from this reel alone. 
Oh god, this is this is just George Costanza with a potty mouth. I mean, Buddy had to have played a couple of clams in his life. It couldn't have been all perfect. No, no, he thinks he, he did everything right. But wait, there's more. I'm sorry, that toupee ain't fooling nobody. No, it's fooling Bruno. <laughs> He's not screaming in this one, so it's not as much fun. No, it's not. I want, I want some fire and brimstone. I want some. I want some heat. All right. I've had my brand director, who was a drummer, by the way, tell me I don't want to hear anything coming out of my filthy fucking sewer. <laughs> I mean, I've had this where I've had to do push-ups and shit. So, like in high school band. So, like this is this is delightful. This is adorable. <laughs> Oh, you, you've had band teachers speak to you worse than this? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And I, and I respect the hell out of him. Lynn Rogers was my band director at Jefferson County High School in Tennessee. And he would he would verbally, uh, he wouldn't verbally abuse us like this, but he demanded perfection like this. And he would get so frustrated that he, we knew when he, we screwed up too much when he would go lock himself in a room to calm down. Mm. So just take out all the f bombs, and this is these are these are the exact phrases I've heard. Mm. Maybe this is where I got the idea from. <laughs> you know, these were released after Buddy died. He never knew these recordings were done. I think. Well, I mean, obviously he did not know because he would try to perfect protect them. Mm. Oh, now it's getting fun. Yep, there we go. On the bright side, not one racist diatribe from him, just a bunch of like f bombs. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a lot of f bombs and a lot of personal verbal ex- I- I- abuse. But wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. This was the original Hogan tape. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I, I'm just sitting here, like curtailing all the things that he has said that I've heard before. No idle requests. I'm telling you how my band's gonna look. You're not telling me how you're gonna look. 
I just hope you paid them well. <laughs> I mean, that, that is the difference. I mean, I got paid literally in hot dogs and handshakes for that stuff. And yet, you know, legally he's paying these people. The name on the marquee is Buddy Rich. Exactly. tape is probably muffled because it's hidden in somebody's j- jacket pocket. That's what I'm oh, thinking. Definitely. I mean, he's saying these without anybody knowing he can see, he can say it, nothing's going to happen to him because it's not in writing or on audio. Mm-hmm. Fired a guy. <laughs> oh, he definitely just fired a guy. Here we go. Seinfeld. Yep. I'm not threatening you. I'm telling you. You don't want to do what I want in my band. I'm telling you. Let's shut up. I will. All right. Yeah, there's not a lot of shutting up there. Like he keeps saying to shut up. No, but then he did say that, you know, keep it up and I'll show you what it's like. And I was like, that's exactly what George said in the movie theater in the exactly. opposite day episode. If I have to tell you again, we're going to take it outside and I'm going to show you what it's like. Yeah, a lot of those. So the, um, you know, the I expect 110% every time we go out there, you know, no clams. I remember a, a band director literally staring me down saying, do you know how to play this piece? Or are you just acting like you don't in the middle of everybody? Wow. Um, sat now- there embarrassed a little bit, you know, a little red assed and then uh, dusted myself up and played it better got to the point so that he pushed us so hard during the um we we do summer uh you know pre-show workouts mm-hmm. and uh this the 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 junior year of high school we were doing uh, uh 70s music and we were doing uh you know Frankenstein from Edgar Winter very awesome song very awesome song well uh the brass had the guitar 
So we were going to play the guitar and he looked at us and just went, I want this loud. And so we got to this point where like our umbrasures, our lips were splitting. Oh, from really? all the work. Like we were in physical pain doing these songs all day uh, into the night to like midnight and then going to sleep and then doing it again the next day for an entire week straight. And we were just pounding it. I mean, we were doing the full runs with the guitar. We were doing everything, the entire solo. That's got, insane. That, cause it, that, that, that is an insane solo from Mr. Rick Derringer. Yes. And I do mean like that. So we would, you know, we would do the, we would do the beginning where he's doing all the things and then like we would break out and then it would be the drums doing the entire drum solo our snare drums and everybody doing that as our drum solo as our part where we're just marching and not playing. But yeah, we're playing the freaking chorus and everything to that thing. We're freaking, and it's, and he wanted it loud. It got so bad that I started ringing notes through the hallways of our high school. That's how, how loud it was. How far did the echo go? <laughs> All the way down the school. Oh my God. It was, it got so bad. Like when I did it, he turned. It went, what was that? And then told him, then he looks at, it, he goes down. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right, I have, I have officially, you've officially blown a gun over. Now I have to rein you back in. So, yeah, I mean, I, he, he was extremely hard taskmaster, but also um, was a person who would defend the students when people mm-hmm. wouldn't. Um, this man got fired being a band director for defend, defending one of his uh, band students against a, a, a criticizing another teacher. Really? Yes. Huh. After 40 years of being the band director, he got fired because he criticized the teacher on Facebook, defending a student who was complaining about it. I think you mentioned that that was a yeah. while ago. This happened. Yes, this is a while. This is a while back. This is about ten years ago. Yeah. Oh, this is, this was ten years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he. I mean, I have heard. I have heard those verbal eviscerations before. I mean, uh, he would do if you screwed up a halftime show. It would be nothing to in the middle of like on the end of the side end zones, you know, where they have the big area where like Mm -hmm. usually you have the track and field pit. Mm -hmm. It would be common for us to be doing push ups in the middle of the crowd (sighs) if we screwed up something that bad. Well, you want to be in something, if you want to belong like you're part of something, yeah, then yeah, I can understand that mentality where it's like. You know, you fuck up. You know, yeah. You pay a penalty, and and you know he got it. He caught it from his the drum and brugal choirs of of DCI. He he got that from the University of Tennessee. You know, probably the Southland. It's a thing, and he had he had multiple multiple people in every single high, you know college marching band in the area. Mm. Somebody from his band was in those bands. Mm. So the ETSBOA, the biggest one of the of the area, the region, with everybody regional, the regional bands, we always had a handful, like eight or ten people in those bands. Mm. So we we're talking, you know, out of six hundred people, out of you know sixty, eighty schools, ten of us were there. 
Got it. So, I mean, this it was hard. It sucked. There were days where you're just wanting to throw stuff. You're running. You wanted to punch him a few times. <laughs> even even I got into his face once, and he had to like back. He had to calm it down a little bit because I was just like, I'm I'm not, I'm not taking this abuse from you anymore, old man. Oh, <laughs> you know. I mean, I think to be good in your craft, you need discipline. I and get it. My first instrument, and I mentioned this to you, was was trumpet. I told my father that I wanted to learn guitar and he said how bad do you want to learn a guitar and i was like what do you mean by that he's like are you willing to learn another instrument uh first before you pick up guitar and i said sure and he said okay because our our church saint demetrius is having a saturday orchestra band we don't want you go down there you know test it out pick an instrument learn that if you get good at it maybe i'll get you a guitar so you know i I picked trumpet. I wish I had picked saxophone, but I picked trumpet instead. And, you know, they started you on third trumpet. You know, they, they teach you hot cross buns. They teach you the, the scale, the, uh, the B flat concert, B flat scale, yeah, B flat scale. And also the chromatic, yeah. you know, how to keep maintenance of your, of your instrument. And I realized that before I get into trumpet one, I got to pay my dues, but it got to a point where, I was still third or second trumpet. Mr. Barry Dullman, one time he heard me playing clams as uh, Barry, as a, as a buddy rich um, stated. And he pulled me aside. He said, Lou, I can't believe I'm going to say this to you, but your playing today was utter bullshit. And he's like, what's he's like, I can't have this in my band. And I said, doc, all due respect, I just don't feel like applying myself if like I'm forever going to be the third or second trumpet. And like, these guys are really good, but it's like, I'll never have my chance to like grow. And I'm kind of thinking, I'm like, Ooh, did I just make a mistake saying that? No, you didn't. Well, he, he saw that I was upset and he figured out, why don't you take the baritone horn? Yep. (laughs) And, And I was like, what's the baritone horn? And he pointed at it. I'm like, that thing <laughs> and you know and and i and he said yeah it's the same keys as trumpet same same yeah. you know uh, same uh well the, this, is, this is the same as a euphonium player absolutely so I, I i did the same thing so so i picked it up and all of a sudden it's like i found my instruments yep. and you know this was a uh, two years after picking up trumpet and i played it for like about nine years straight and i loved it because i was like finally i get to like i i i get to have an instrument is, that I'm known this for. This is your thing, yeah. And, you know, he, he was so good at, like, turning, you know, chicken shit into chicken feed, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, was, he was so good at that. Um, him and my high school music teacher, Dr. Daniel Burwasser, were probably the two music teachers that I learned the most from. And, like, I, I still apply, like, their their disciplinary tactics to me playing the guitar because you know you've heard the severed angel album yes playing those parts and practicing them in case of the one time we ever do make it to stage it's not easy so you know you have to keep your chops up you have to keep up your conditioning to uh be able to play that stuff i had one teacher though in middle school um he said all right everybody play a play a c uh, b-flat concert c that was great i'm like 
we didn't even tune. He's like, all right, yeah. let's go to the first song. And I'm like, you know, that's when I realized I feel like public school in New York City at the time was just a way to pass you through just to get you out of middle school. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so uh, like for, for me, for me, I had a very similar path, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Mine actually happened eighth in eighth grade is when I realized I was never going to progress as a trumpet player and move to, to the baritone. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh so what 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 made me realize i was going to be good at it was hearing a uh judge actually comment saying okay you found something with that with that kid in the with the baritone you found that you found something with that kid mm-hmm. work on that you know because it was a lot of you know just because it was middle school band we're all going to sound like crap you know but we're going to try our best um mm-hmm. and he's fixing he's trying to pick all the things out and then I get to Tennessee and I'm starting right back where I was. I was first chair in Nevada, straight to third chair in, in East Tennessee. Mm. <laughs> My story, when I went to uh, college, when I went to St. John's University, I auditioned for the pep band. Um, I choked with the baritone horn. And I was so disappointed in myself. I said, you know what? After I graduate high school, I'm never picking up an instrument again. Like That's how much it got to me. Because I feel like I let Dr. Delman and Dr. Burwasser down, you know, and if anyone I grew up with is watching this and is laughing at it, you got to understand that these two guys are like my mentors, you know, so like them and my brother, like those are like the three men in my life who were the most instrumental in me, you know, trying to shape myself into becoming not just a good musician, but just constantly getting better. And, you know, it was a freak accident. And and I hadn't played guitar that entire summer. And then I went on a, a campus ministry retreat my freshman year. Somebody left a nylon string on the, on the acoustic. Uh, some, somebody, left a, somebody left a nylon string acoustic on the piano. And I just picked it up and I started playing it. And then all of a sudden, like, one person started coming to me. Two people started coming to me. Ten people started coming to me. And they were like, can you play this? Can you play this? Can you play this? Yeah. And I was like how am I doing this right now? You know, like I'm I'm, normally I get stage fright or I get shy, but it's like for the first time in a long time, it's like I'm playing and I'm playing for myself now. Exactly. So it's like all of a sudden it's like, I I achieved like this to quote Bill Murray and Caddyshack. I achieved total consciousness (laughs) or something (laughs) like that. Um, You know, and, and, and I was, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm almost wrapped up with the story. So, you know, I was jamming with these kids and whatever. And then all of a sudden, my buddy, Jason Crawford, uh, said, hey, you know, then this was my last semester of my senior year. And he said, you know, we need a baritone horn player for uh, the um, for, for, for the jazz band. And I was like, oh, what do I get out of it? He's like, oh, you got a grant. I said, oh, OK, I'll do it. <laughs> so I got a nice little check in the mail. And that was pretty cool. Um, so I was playing baritone horn again, soul guy there, you know, we had some great stuff that we were playing. Then all of a sudden senior concert comes the guitar player, no shows, just no shows. I have my Les Paul up in the radio college radio station because sometimes I brought it over and I would just like, you know, jam stuff with friends of mine. And Mr. Motley was his name, uh, Bill Motley, great, great conductor. 
was like, you know, we need a guitar player. And then all of a sudden, Jay Crawford's like, Lou's got his guitar up in the radio station. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I didn't practice the songs on guitar. <laughs> and he's like, you could transfer it. I'm like, oh, no. And Mr. Motley's like, can you play? I said, yes, sir. I could play this stuff. He's like, then go get it, boy. Go get it. And I went, ran up. <laughs> Ran up the stairs, bull- I almost hit my friend Carrie Olson. Um, sorry, Carrie, almost bulldozed you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. Anyway, so I ran into the radio station, grabbed my guitar, went back down, did a quick tune, set it up, and everything. And then all of a sudden, it's like you know, we break into sing, 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 and uh, you know, a, a bunch of other stuff, and uh. And he gives me two solos at the end of the concert. Like, Lou, these solos are yours. And uh, one of them was um, Smooth by Santana. Oh, gosh. Now, I'm not a Santana fan. Um, I I prefer the Abraxas album more than, you know, the Supernatural album. I think anybody with a brain cell would. But um, I I mean, I still enjoy Supernatural. That's fine. But I prefer Abraxas. Um, So all of a sudden, he's like, all right, Lou, your turn. So like, you know, I knew the song and I knew the data, you know, the, the, the noodle parts. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I break into a solo and like, I'm only supposed to get like four measures, you know, of, of the, of, of the break. And Mr. Molly's like, keep going, keep going. I'm like, huh? I'm like, I just keep going. And then all of a sudden I, he, I, I, he doesn't stop me. I'm like, don't you want to get to the saxophone players? Like keep playing boy. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm not fucking with this dude right now. So yeah, it's um needless to say, that brought me back to stage. <laughs> the biggest thing I remember from from Dr. Glenn Rogers um for me was actually um every time you were doing interviews with all the band directors, he had the most outlandish way to recuse himself. And what way was this? He would literally sit when he would go, we would sit down in the interview. Of course, we're wearing our goofy band uniforms that look like red coats from the British Army. We sit down and he just does this <laughs> hand in head in hand. This just okay, just sits there like that. Starts looking at all the other band directors dead in the eyes. Uh-huh. He's doing that. He's not doing that to me, he's doing that to everybody else. Except for me. Of course, I also felt like he's probably doing that because he knew I, I, you know, I got no problem public speaking ever. Mm. You know, I was never the the shy butter. You know, I was always the the peacock ready to fly. So he just knew just just put the kid down in the seat and let him let him go. Just <laughs> <laughs> unleash this kid. I found him three years ago. Just let him go. Just let him go. No, but I, I will say this. Um I don't think it's a bad thing to be a hard ass in music because sometimes you have to be, you know, when you're performing and look, I mean, art is subjective. um, But playing the piece, you know, either do it right or don't do it at all. You know, there's a reason why certain songs are set to the beats permitted that they are there. There's a reason why, it's important to make sure that you're in tune every time you play. Um, and don't get me wrong, man. I love punk rock. You know, I love Helter Skelter by the Beatles. That song is way out of tune. 
um, you know, when a, when, a, when a song is being released as a statement, that's one thing. But when you're playing a composition and your stuff isn't up to par to where it should be, and you still go on stage like it's no big deal, I kind of can't respect that. And, you know, if people are like, you know, oh, well, it's easy for you to say. I'm like, yeah, it is easy for me to say because I put that standard on myself. Right. You know, I I have uh, Dr. Delman and Dr. Verwasser and my late brother, Mike, to made me appreciate the fact that being on stage is a privilege. Exactly. Being able to learn an instrument is it's you know there's it's not a birthright you know show that you could do it or get the fuck off stage the 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 fun part about that was yes performing and being in the performance is is the gift is what you've what you've worked hard for that is the that that is the gift um the funniest i always i'll remember every time i was on you know out competing on the field some of the goofy stuff that happened that they just nobody noticed except for me and him. Mm. That was it. Nobody knew like, Hey, like one time I remember I took a step back because we were going, you know, I was doing like a 30 yard freaking movement that, that, that ball, that phrase. Mm-hmm. And I took my first step and I sunk in the mud ah. <laughs> and I had to catch up. Um, or when I had to bulldoze a guy, uh, a poor freak, this, the, 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 during the parades, these guys with these stupid junk carts were out there trying to sell crud to kids. And there, we were told freaking run them over mm. They're If they're in your way, take them out. And I did this thing. I played, I tucked the horn shoulder, charged it into the, into the third row of the cart. It just popped right back up. Like it was nothing. I've had to elk some people. Yeah, the I, uh, I mean I'm I'm not proud of it, but I'm not ashamed to admit it. But <laughs> it had to be done. <laughs> the the funniest one was uh, this uh, one of one of the drunk one of the uh, flag girls would, would was uh, this one part of the show would do a acrobatic routine. She was a she was a gymnast and an acrobat, mm. and for some reason our second com- competition show, she and you could hear the even the judge goes, oh she's rolling up on the guy and he just kicked her right up. <laughs> <laughs> she rolled up right on my foot perfectly that I just 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 did one little quick kick to fly her back up in the air do her little spin oh my just goodness some of that stuff and he's just like he's like what what was your thought process in that situation she was on my foot there you go <laughs> so I, I guess in hindsight you know although it's hilarious listening to Buddy Rich curse like a chew, sailor against chew, chew his, somebody out yeah to chew someone out I, it was cannibalism sir okay he I, I, mean, that. I, I mean you know he just left a little less on the bone than some others have okay i mean i've joked i've been yelled at by the best of them i'm ain't nothing gonna phase me in this world but yeah <laughs> I, I hear you but i i will say this i mean you know for for his caliber of performance you know, regardless of how I feel about him because of opinions on music outside of jazz, which I incredibly disagree with him on. Um, I'm not going to deny his importance in the world of music and how he shaped drummers that came after him. You know, Neil Peart, uh, Peter Chris, and even Carmine Apice, a, a piece as he likes to call himself, you know, 
reference Buddy Rich as an influence. Um, the man was a legend and it is a legend. And, you know, if if he wanted the best out of him, out of his band, because that's what he expected out of himself, I can't blame him. I, I can't either, especially when, when you say the results speak for themselves. I mean, obviously, if he was going out there playing like shit and he was ripping the other the other people for for playing correctly, then you know that'd be one thing. But if he's if he's holding himself to that standard and they're not holding themselves to that standard and they're calling themselves professionals, that's the biggest insult to that world I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, I've never confused myself with being a professional musician. I never will. My 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 skills stopped at high school. However, I can still to this day when somebody you know marches out of formation or plays a freaking rope note wrong and plays a clam, you're damn right. I'm gonna hear that thing from a mile away and go, you know, and hear hear the nine one one chants, you know, right. here you know here it comes, because I mean you know I'm I you know you might have fooled the rest of this world about getting getting paid for this gig, but you're not gonna fool me. That was a situation that I found myself in with my previous uh, cover band, um, Hard Drive. Um, even in its initial formation as Shockwave, um, the guitarist that was in the band didn't understand proper usage of an amplifier or how to use uh, the pickup switch, you know, keep it on the treble for, uh, for, for a rhythm, switch to the neck pickup, for um for for solos he would do it in reverse and you know one time i actually modified his amp so that it sounded just right and he completely screwed it up again by touching it after i was done to the point where it's like you couldn't hear my bass yeah you know and the the drummer couldn't keep time if you put a metronome next to him mm. You know, um, here comes Dr. Beat for me. That's that was the most egregious sin we could ever commit. So when the guitarist quits because of a disagreement on something with the drummer, um, I got suckered into playing the guitar again. And mind you, I was on vacation that week. Um, That Monday, I'm in front of the Stone Pony in Asbury Park with my wife. I get a phone call. Lou. The guitarist quit. Um, can you play guitar this weekend? And I was like, uh, this is a hell of a time to ask me. Um, but I said, sure, I will. So mind you, I'm on vacation. I'm getting text messages and phone calls every day from these guys. And I'm just like, guys, I'm on vacation. Leave me alone here. <laughs> so, you know, fr- Friday we come back. I do the show. Goes off without a hitch. Um, and I'm thinking, all right, maybe this is the, the piece that we needed me on guitar with my buddy, Doc Reinhardt on, on bass. And that's when we switched the name to hard drive. And for two and a half, three years, right until the time COVID occurred, uh, we were doing two to three shows a week. And I was playing a Les Paul switched to strats because the, the amount of shows that we were doing was killing my back, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause Les Pauls are much heavier than than strats but every time we had rehearsal it was like the drummer didn't know the song every time we went on stage the drummer couldn't keep time 
so it just got to a point where I just said, you know what? I'm only making like a hundred bucks a gig. Like I realized this is a hobby at this point, but I'd rather play with people who know how to play and not get paid than have to subjugate myself to this crap. <laughs> <laughs> and and now and now you just have a drummer who who can keep time. He just can't keep his mouth shut. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, if Wayne can hear you, he can keep time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke it's a joke it's yeah a joke. but uh anyway you gotta got, got, got break gotta break the uh the ball the boss's balls a little bit you know <laughs> that's right but uh we uh anyways we're gonna wrap it up i'm glad that we got to talk some wrestling and we got to uh do the uh buddy rich tapes it was a fun listen and hearing us talk about our uh, you know our, our uh high school band uh stories you know it was fun for us we hope it was fun for you oh, the and more uh, stories they're the best yeah uh james you got anything you want to plug um just uh everybody uh you know follow the saturdays in the fall facebook page and the uh, youtube page uh we're we're doing our best to, to do two shows a week sometimes uh the days aren't always figuring out we you know we're the same as as you know rat salad right now until you know until hopefully soon you know this it's still a hobby we're not getting paid to do it so we're having trouble trying to navigate life and you know everything else going on in the world so but it's a good football podcast we're enjoying we do college football all year round we enjoy talking uh even during the uh what everyone else calls the off season we do not call it that we just call it talking season and actual mm-hmm. during the games so um, just follow that and then uh, enjoy a rat salad review, especially when I have to change scenery back here go away <laughs> from the mountains and go more to the rolling hills. There you go. And we're actually going to come back uh, to rat salad review on the uh, 27th of September, where we're going to be talking with Steve Rosen, who wrote a book called Tone Chaser about uh, the late great Eddie Van Halen. So we're excited about that. Then afterwards uh, for sweeps months, uh, we're going to be talking the Aussie discography and the Kiss discography. Then I guess eventually one day for Manny, we'll do the Alice discography, but that's going to take yeah. forever. Uh, you were saying we're saying this as as you know, Aussie has an extensive of uh, discography of like what, like six songs or six albums. Aussie's got thirteen. Oh God, yeah, it's true. And Kiss has I lost count. Uh, yeah, Kiss has too many. That that one's gonna hurt. And yeah. Now now will the person who did this idea actually be in half the shows? I I better. <laughs> you know, with the Kiss ones, it's like you know you you may have to do three albums a week, but thankfully they're all a half hour or less. Exactly. I mean, yeah, they're they're not that long. I mean, you know, they they don't they don't do uh you know uh was it rhyme of the ancient mariner uh, type songs. James is not going to forgive us for doing Iron Maiden versus Judas Priest. Ever. Never. You will never, ever, ever stop me from that. Okay. I suffered through a lot of that. Uh, yeah, not, but it was a fun not my bag. That's it's okay. not my bag. I admitted hey. it. I admitted it. I did my best and I was obje- as objective as possible. Thankfully, I can meet you halfway on similar musical tastes. So that's a good thing. Exactly. I didn't expect mine to be great. But anyway, let's get out. Let's, let's let me stop the Irish goodbye because I, uh, yeah, it's late. <laughs> it is. It is. James Lilquist from Rotsaw Review and from Saturdays in the Fall. Thanks for coming on Music is Life podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check us out over on my link tree. 
That's Music is Life podcast. And also check out the mothership, if you will. Ratsa Review over at RatsaReview.com. We are 200 hours away from monetization. Make it happen. Yeah, because we, we want to make major, major, most of pictures, baby. That's right, baby. If you will. And please let us will. Anyways, <laughs> James Lilliquist, thanks for coming on the show. And remember, all art is valid, including wrestling and buddy rich diatribes. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Music is Life podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm and Ratsaw Review. Check out the other shows on Ratsaw Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man Metals Musings, The Right Opinion, The Vieira Vault, The Team Otoki Podcast, The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, and The Friday Night Party with the great Harry Barnett and Evie. Graphics by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find them on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leyuk, and Lou Mavs. If you'd like to donate to the channel, please donate to our PayPal at musicislifepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in a band and you want us to review your music, then contact us at Maps at musicislifepodcast.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle. With much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, check out www.musicislifepodcast.com. And don't forget to check out www.ratsireview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>